0: Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 1, The Wars to Come is over, but we are officially just getting started here on Season 5 coverage of Game of Thrones here on Post Show Recaps. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Hello everybody, I am Josh Wiggler, and I'm joined here by a man, incidentally, uh, this is a guy who also has a birthmark of Dorne, it's Antonio Mazzaro. Hello Antonio.
1: Josh, don't you dare tell them about where Sunspear is.
0: I'm going to tell them. We're (laughs) live, and I'm just—I'm feeling frisky, so I'm going to tell them. I mean, listen—you've got a lot of birthmarks.
1: Scott Saint Pierre is producing this ghost show. Scott, whatever you do, do not load any pictures to that screen, sir.
0: All right. Well, we've got—we've got a moratorium on birthmark talk. Is is birthmarks are those? Is that the new upstate New York?
1: I can't believe that you jump right in with that. No, birthmarks, upstate New York, none of it. Let's not. Let's talk about Game of Thrones. Let's talk about Game of Thrones.
0: Let's talk about Game of Thrones. Season 5 has just premiered. We have waited a very, 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 very very long time to finally get back here on Poster Recaps talking about Game of Thrones. Of course, Rob Sesternino and I, we have been doing the Road to Westeros daily podcast about Game of Thrones leading up to today, the big day. Rob himself cannot be here with us uh, live tonight, uh, as he mentioned during the Road to Westeros podcast. He's in Las Vegas uh, for the week, but he will be back for a Game of Thrones feedback show later in the week. Tonight, we are very blessed to have Antonio here. Antonio, who is one of the finest, uh, finest men I've ever laid eyes on. I will say, I, I hope that doesn't come across as weird, but it's
1: just how I feel. I'm glad you said eyes on at the end of that sentence.
0: Yeah, uh, but he is, he is one of our tremendous hosts here on Post Show Recaps, uh, my co-host on the Justified podcast. Uh, he is one of the hosts on the Better Call Saul podcast, which has wrapped, uh, was that last week
1: that it wrapped? Unfortunately, we have called Saul. Saul is no more. Saul will be back, I think. He will will return in season two. Son of Saul.
0: There is a season two of Saul. Uh, And Antonio, who has appeared on the Game of Thrones podcasts in the past as well, uh, and is a big, big fan of Game of Thrones. Um, And Antonio, uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, can you talk me through not just the premiere, but... Big news in the Game of Thrones world today. Uh, something, yeah. something big and unexpected and shocking happened true to Game of Thrones form today. Let's just talk about this right up front before we dive into the episode.
1: Yeah, the news leaked that Robert Baratheon is coming back to life. He's coming back. It's a big deal. I mean, I you know, a boar can't keep a man like Bobby B down.
0: No, no, Bobby B's no, no, not big, coming back. What's real? What's The, the, the real, big, what's the the big news
1: is, so... Critics were sent a screener disc, right, with the first four episodes, I think, of this season of Game of Thrones, so that they could give a review generally about where this season was beginning and where the storylines were starting and where we were finding different characters. And you have to send four because it's such a large kind of ensemble, but you have to kind of see what everybody's up to unfortunately someone leaked those four episodes i I should say unfortunately i think a lot of people were very happy about that uh but i only i only watched this one josh did you watch any beyond this one
0: no i have only seen this episode but i know that there are probably people who are listening to us now who have seen all four uh and we are just asking you guys be cool yeah just be, be cool please be cool
1: Yeah. Just be cool. You know, no spoilers. Don't be like those book people who always come in and spoil because they read the book. Don't do that because you saw four episodes. I know there's probably a lot of revenge that we want to get out on those dirty book people who know so much, but uh, let's try to keep it to a minimum. This isn't Netflix. You can't binge them all in one night, Josh
0: no no this was not hbo's plan this was unexpected uh not ideal not awesome so we are talking only about the first episode tonight those of you who have by your own volition you gave into temptation whatever it is you did on your time that's on you you do what you want to do you do you but we're only talking about episode one so as you guys are tweeting questions uh to us using hashtag ps recaps or in the comments section or on the youtube page uh just keep it to episode one that's all we ask Yeah. Um, Be cool. That's it. Just be cool. Uh, Antonio, just broad strokes. Here we are. We're back season five season premiere. What's your take? What's your take on the wars to come? What's, what's the big picture for you?
1: I'm happy with the big picture. I uh, starting to like the the pickup of the storyline with Danny. I mean, business has picked up pretty quickly and that's a story, Danny's story that I think a lot of people felt a little so, so on that. It maybe was starting to drag. Uh, we got masked. Like, is that Tom Cruise from eyes wide shut killers popping up? What's going on there? You think that Tom
0: Cruise is going to be on an HBO show after get, uh, getting queer. Something or tells me queer?
1: absolutely not. No, he's not going to be dropping Fidelio as a safe word or a password here. It's not going to happen. But, so. uh, I like that Danny's story is picking up I, I do like that we're, we're getting some kind of Progress with Littlefinger and Sansa they've already Moved away uh, from the Erie. they're in The land surrounding and now they're probably going to Go out somewhere else so things are Things are picking up here and I think that's a very Good thing what did you think of that first scene Josh
0: yeah so, so let's just dive Right into it uh, you know it's It's funny uh, Game of Thrones Is not a show that Has dealt in flashbacks before uh, It is it has stayed Very much in the present even though history plays a huge role in the events that happen on the show uh but we have it this is not lost this is not a show where every episode is flashing back to a certain point in somebody's life but here we here we go we have for my money it's the first game of thrones flashback
1: yeah how many minutes is this are we into the podcast and you drop a lost reference it doesn't take much it doesn't take much, but you're right. This isn't. I don't think we're going to see too much more of this. I, mean, I think this was a really interesting look into the psyche of Cersei. We we've talked. To, there was a good question on the road uh, to Westeros leading up. I believe it was from Ken Crowner, uh, and Ken basically said, "You know, how are we giving Cersei enough credit, or perhaps Lena Headey, the the woman who plays Cersei, right? And this is a great kind of just glimpse into her psyche. She at a very young age heard a pretty terrifying prophecy about her life, right?
0: yeah it was pretty horrible all right so let's go over this prophecy so she goes uh she and a friend of hers they go and visit this witch in the woods uh and she's even that like i don't know how old she is let's call her uh 12 if you want to say she's young uh yeah. but even at a young age she is cersei through and through saying uh i'll gouge your eyes out if you don't do exactly what i want to do she is really uh you know talk about uh Talk about Baruch Assault over here. You know, this is definitely a very Baruch Assault version of Cersei Lannister.
1: I want it now. Give yeah. me the prophecy now. I want the golden
0: prophecy now.
1: I want the world. The I world. want the whole world. Yes, yeah. that was. You had the smirk down. Like, she really, I mean, she was, she was carrying Cersei like the minute Great she on the scene. Great kid acting. Le- legit kid acting there. Yeah.
0: Uh, so she's, so she finally, um, she's going to be able to ask, uh, this woman some questions, uh, but not after giving her some blood first, uh, it just kind of, it didn't feel so great about it.
1: Yeah. Josh, if somebody hands you a knife and they're like, I need some of your blood, are you cutting the tip of your thumb like that? It seems like a pretty tough place to cut. Where are you going to cut to give them some blood?
0: I don't know. I was going to ask you like, what should I do? What's like the safest spot? Like, where am I going to feel the least amount of pain?
1: I don't know. Maybe this little part. I, of your, I hate pain. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm very craven I like pain. <laughs> maybe a little part of your thumb. I don't know. Do you bleed very easily in any particular parts of your, of your oh, body? I'm, like
0: I'm just a bleeder through and
1: through. You're just a bleeder through and yeah. through. Well, yeah. then it won't take much, maybe like a hangnail, like maybe just in the hangnail area. I don't know. Just to see her take that knife and put it on, on her thumb like that. That's pretty brutal it was intense
0: it was intense uh but she does it and this woman sucks the blood out of her thumb is very gross it's very very not nice
1: yeah well you know you saw where that lady was living right like does she not look like the person that would suck blood out of a thumb to you
0: no she looks exactly like that type (laughs) of person (laughs) it looks like like her steady diet exactly Uh,
1: this is what i do i drink blood from thumbs
0: i live in the woods i live off of bloody
1: thumbs did, did, you make anything of, did you make anything of the fact that a little a drop of blood dropped on the ground there and we saw a close up of it? Is she just going to lick that drop up or what's happening with that drop that fell on the ground?
0: Yeah, that's called leftovers.
1: Oh, no, we don't want to talk about the leftovers. we
0: about the leftovers, but that was leftovers. Uh, but she gets to ask these questions. Yeah, and we should we should go over this. The questions are, uh, I've been promised to a prince. When will we marry? Will we marry? Um, and the woman says, you'll never wed the prince. You'll wed a king. Uh, and she says, Oh, great. So I'm going to be queen. And the woman says, yeah, you'll be queen for like five minutes. You know, then we'll come another younger, more beautiful to you down and take all you hold dear. Uh, young Cersei doesn't seem too bothered by this yet. Uh, she gets to ask her third question, which is, will the King and I have children? And the woman says, the King will have 20 children and you will have three gold will be their crowns, gold, their shrouds. Uh, she cracks up and then we flash back to the present. So that's the extent of the flashback. What do you make of that? That's a fairly creepy prophecy.
1: Yeah, she, well, first of all, she wasted her questions, I think. Like, she's just like, am yeah, I what are to the be three clean? questions
0: she should have asked?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, it's like, uh, how long am I going to live? You got to know when you're going to die, right? Don't you want to know then?
0: Um, that is usually a good question to ask. I, I mean feel like had, you, could, you, could, you could get the most planning done if you know exactly when that's going to happen.
1: She, it's not like she was a, She treated her like a genie and said her first question. Can I have more questions? Uh. That, that's no good. Like you burned a question there. And when she says no, then you've only got two left. So I don't think you go for that. I don't think you angle for that. But I think she could have combined the will I be queen and, uh, and will I have children kind of thing. Uh, I think she just could have said when I'm queen, will I have children? And if she asked it that way, she'll be like, yeah, when you're queen, uh, you'll have three children. So yeah, boom, got two with one right there. But uh, she didn't get some good answers either. Like the – so three of well, them – she
0: warned her. She says you're not going to like the answers.
1: She really did warn her, to be fair. Fair warning. And when, when somebody has to suck blood from your thumb to give you a prophecy, you're probably not going to like everything that you hear. Right. But, uh, yeah, she said three three will have crowns of blonde. I assume – crowns of gold. I assume that means you're going to have three kids with your bro, Jamie Lannister, and they're all going to have blonde hair.
0: Yeah, I would I would co-sign that.
1: Or do we or do we think that means that Marcella is somehow going to sit the Iron Throne at some point?
0: Oh well, longer. well two out of three have sat the Iron Throne. You know, the late Joffrey was was king for a time and Tom is king now. Uh if something happens to him is there some way for Marcella to to sit the throne?
1: Or maybe she's going to get the cold the Drogo treatment that uh, he gave Viserys. Oh, that seems cruel on you. on her head. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob Sesternino in The Road to Westeros talked about killing kids. So I figure it's fair game at this point. Well, that's I mean, because
0: we, he's a monster.
1: We don't know Marcella. She doesn't have a personality. I'm just quoting Rob here. Uh, but yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's what it means. Maybe they're all going to sit the Iron. I just t- took it to mean they're all going to be the, the blonde hair. And then they'll wear shrouds of gold. So they're all going to die? Well, I mean, everybody dies. Yeah, everyone dies.
0: Unless you're Beric Dondarrion, everybody dies at some point. Uh, So, I mean, that's certainly what it sounds like. It sounds like gold their shrouds means your kids are going to die. And the way that this woman starts cracking up after she says that makes it sound fairly ominous, makes it sound like uh, that's not going to be good.
1: And just to, to reset, we you know, we know where Tommen is. We see him kinging it up in this episode at The Wake. But what we don't know, Marcella is still in Dorne. Is that is that what we're, that's Cersei's daughter. We're still resetting that? She's still kind of chilling down there in Dorne?
0: That's the last we saw her. Yeah, she's in Dorne.
1: Things didn't end too well for the Dornish that visited uh, King's Landing last season, did it?
0: No, it didn't. That ended with, uh, with a with a crushed skull uh, and probably relations between King's Landing and Dorne are worse than ever.
1: Yeah. So if I were Cersei, I would probably be thinking about this prophecy and probably be a little worried about Marcella. if I were her. I don't know exactly. I mean, the Red Viper last season did say we don't we don't kill young children in, in Dorne, but it's not a good place for her to be at this point, I don't
0: think. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tenuous place, but uh, what, do, what do you think about starting the season this way? What kind of mission statement does this say that not only are we starting with a flashback, first flashback ever on Game of Thrones, you know, we've had vision sequences, we've had dream sequences, but as far as like straight up flashbacks go, this is the first one, what does it say that that's the way we are starting Game of Thrones season five, and what do you think it says that we're starting on Cersei?
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like that we're starting right inside Cersei's head because we've cracked a lot of other characters. We we kind of at this point really do know what makes Jaime Lannister tick. We do know what makes Tyrion Lannister tick. We know what makes a lot of these people tick. But Cersei's always been somebody who's so motivated by her hatred for Tyrion and sort of a one note character emotionally. Uh, and so I think it is always nice when we get a lot more shades to Cersei. I mean, there's been discussions that obviously with Tywin gone, uh, Cersei could be be in line for having a much bigger role this season, uh, and so I do like that we're starting right there in her head because it's about time we really got in there and and played around a little bit and really figured about uh, figured out what's going on inside that head because for so long we've just kind of seen her uh, you know in one note and I think that was a really good episode like I mentioned of your Road to Westeros podcast where you talked about Cersei because she hasn't necessarily been given her due on this show and so we'll I think it's a very good thing to start the season right inside her head thinking about that prophecy from the the past maybe we're starting to learn a bit a little bit about what motivated her and what she's experienced
0: well what do you let's talk about king's landing let's stay in the king's landing storyline for the next little while and um as you mentioned Tywin lannister very dead uh if we didn't believe it when Tyrion shot him in the privy we certainly believe it because he's got the googly eyes uh and when you're wearing the googly eyes and you're lying down like that that means you're dead
1: yeah if you're behind blue eyes there no one knows what it's like except people that are dead
0: uh, I like that. Uh, but it's true. So Tywin is gone. Tywin is officially gone. He's at the funeral and everything. Uh, apparently, it's part, partly Jamie's fault. That was pretty brutal for Cersei to say, like, you know, our brother killed our dad, but at least he did it on purpose. You know, you just yeah. screwed up.
1: Yeah, um, that's, that's no good. She basically says you're stupid and that is yeah. not yeah. good.
0: It's not good, but what, what do you think about uh, King's Landing? You know, we, we have a lot of power players who are out of the mix this season. Uh, Tywin is gone. Tyrion and Varys are elsewhere. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about Littlefinger, who is elsewhere. You know... King's Landing, which is sort of the bread and butter of Game of Thrones, looks very different right now. The landscape, the characters that we are dealing with uh, in this in this season premiere. What do you think of what we got in this episode? Do you think that the characters that are still lingering, the, the Marjories, the Lorises of the world, Kevin Lannister, are these strong enough characters to maintain your interest in King's Landing based on this episode?
1: Well, let's just keep talking about King's Landing, because it is interesting that we dovetail to a kind of an introduction of the faith. People that are coming into the city that um, that Kevin Lannister basically says that Tywin never would have allowed into the city. Uh, they're now here. Uh, we don't know what their story is, but they come with a face and the face that they're they're arriving with is the, the trimmed up haircut face of the handsome Lancel Lannister.
0: Yeah, no, he looked good. He looked like he'd filled out a little bit, too. He looked like he was kind of
1: jacked. Yeah, he should change his name, though, to Loose End Lannister because he knows too much. Like, he is in some serious jeopardy knowing what he knows about what happened to our boy Bobby B., uh, Robert Baratheon. Uh, he was involved with that. He takes, in a scene tonight, of course, he takes responsibility. I tempted you, I lured you, it was me but he knows a little too much about what happened with Cersei, don't you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you're, if you're subscribing to the, to the Mike Erman Trout philosophy of uh, no half measures, if you're Cersei, you probably just want to bump this kid off.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a window. There are plenty of windows there at King's Landing. You can be shoved out of. Uh, I don't think anyone would question that he might be suicidal. People already think he's a religious fanatic. He looks different, so I don't think that it would be investigated too heavily that he was really upset with his uncle's death. But this guy's a walking loose end for Cersei, and and it's it's trouble. I don't know if that's directly on her mind. Clearly, she has a lot that she's worried about as she's looking down at the wake, if you will. She sees, uh, she sees her son Tom in there, and who's she? see kind of work in his ear, but but Marjorie. Uh, And that's not good because now let's go back to the prophecy. There's going to be a younger, more beautiful person to cast you down and all you hold dear. That's got to be Marjorie, right?
0: Well, that would be conventional thinking for sure. Uh, but I, I think that prophecy is always a tricky thing. And I think on Game of Thrones, it's very tricky. But I think on the, on the nose, on the surface, Marjorie would be the obvious candidate. But you couldn't rule out someone like Daenerys Targaryen, who is obviously angling for the Iron Throne. And she is a younger woman than Cersei. I would argue uh, the most beautiful woman on Game of Thrones for my money. Uh, so I would say she's in the mix as well. And who knows who else is in the mix? It could be even it could be her own daughter. What about that?
1: Yeah, that's true. That, and that would be she's going to wear a, cl- a crown of gold and then she's going to wear a shroud of gold.
0: You know, I think, so. it's, I, think it's, I think it's interesting, though. I think having that prophecy leading off the season is going to be a fun one for people to chew on this season as, as for how literally do we take it and how literally is Cersei thinking about it? Does this explain why she's been so aggravated by Marjorie pretty much since the two have known each other? Um, and how is that going to play out in terms of their interactions together this season?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And this is not a neither can live while the other survives kind of thing. Like there's, there is, you're right, there is enough kind of vagary to it that you can interpret it multiple ways, whether you involve your money, Josh, or not. uh, And whether you involve, I don't think that did they say another younger and more beautiful woman to cast her down.
0: I believe that they're saying another queen,
1: another queen. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, there, there are a lot of people that are possibly in the mix, uh, that could, you know, you, you pointed out Daenerys that we, there may be, it may be somebody that we don't even know yet. We just, we have no exact idea of how this is all going to play out. And Cersei is, is no longer the queen. Like she really is. She's the queen regent. Right. But she's not really the queen at this point. Uh, right. so I think it's hard to say exactly where that prophecy ends or begins, uh, but it's definitely going to be something that's interesting to track.
0: Definitely interesting. And, you know, Cersei, obviously, no love lost on her end toward Marjorie, but uh, potentially very much, you know, Marjorie feeling the same thing. Uh, we get this scene where she walks in on Loris and Oliver in bed together. By the way, she was very loud when she came in, didn't seem like Loris cared that much.
1: No, he didn't care at all. Like this is that uh... or like
0: he just has like very, very bad hearing.
1: Well, if if you'll flash back to the the first kind of interactions we saw Marjorie have with Renly Baratheon, she's suggesting, hey, you know, uh, if you wanna, if you if you and me wanna get together, and it's not gonna work for you, my brother can be there too. So we know that th- these, th- we know what the Targaryens did. We know that this is not a, we know what the Lannisters are doing. It's not out of the realm of possibility that she's been involved when Loras has been uh, involved in dirty things, and vice versa. So oh, I don't think that I don't think either of them are too surprised at the arrangement that's happening there i uh, neither seem to be taken very aback by it no, no, no. more myth than anything
0: well loris also has this great line of like why do i care everybody knows uh like everybody knows that i'm gay i'm gay it's fine you know like just let it go marjorie everybody knows
1: Yeah. Good for Loras, man. I'm proud. It's great. It gets better, Loras. I got to tell you, like, you know, this is a, this is a scenario where, where Loras Tyrell is saying, if everybody knows I'm just going to do what I want and good on you, Loras.
0: Well, he's also celebrating because Tywin is dead and Tywin was the driving force between uh, or behind rather uh, getting Cersei and Loras to marry each other. It never came to fruition. And now that Tywin is dead, Loras has got to be feeling pretty good about the fact that Cersei's not going to be into this herself.
1: Yeah, he's feeling real good. He's showing off uh, all of the, the Southeros the south there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> where, where the sun spear don't shine. Yes. Uh, but, but, you know, to get back on point is, you know, he, he points this out like you must be upset with me, Marjorie, because I'm not going to marry Cersei. She's not going to come back to Highgarden with me. You're going to marry Tommen and you're going to be stuck here in King's Landing with Cersei, you know, helicopter momming all around Tom, Tommen and having to be a thorn in your side. And she basically says, perhaps.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of an ominous, perhaps, it's right? It's very loaded, perhaps. Yeah, that's not good. Like, if I'm Cersei, I'm not liking the way that sounded. I don't. We, we saw what the Queen of Thorns did with Joffrey, and we know who's teaching Marjorie Tyrell the lessons that she's had. So it is not a far stretch to say that Marjorie could take uh, her future into her own hands a little bit here, uh, one way or the other, uh, and it could spell doom for Cersei. So if I'm Cersei, you know, that, that's uh, there's a lot of problems coming from all around you here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Anything else in King's Landing that stood out to you this week?
1: well i i don't i mean like i said lancel is there with the faith it's a major it's a major loose end so i am tracking that i did think it was pretty funny by the way that loris is trying to give his regards to Cersei. He's like your father was such a powerful man blah 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 blah. she's not even hearing it then she walks down onto the floor and pycelle is like i always said it was varus you know and then she just blows right by pycelle is that like, my a- hallway uh, yeah. Oh, well, I always said it was Varus That was going to do it. We got America. No, I don't know exactly uh, who that was, but, uh, he just popped into my throat, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I did like a, I did like those those kind of introductions. There's a lot for us to track there. You have a big smile on your face, Josh. No, oh, no, I'm That's just excited,
0: I'm just excited to talk about the Lannisters because we we talked about Cersei, we've talked about Jaime, um, and it just puts a big smile on my face just thinking about poor Tyrion, who is just <laughs> Tyrion is just not doing well. I kind of want to get into the Tyrion story if you're ready.
1: I'm ready. The only other thing I want to track for you, and maybe we'll get it in the questions, but. The scene in the sept between Cersei and Jamie, I, I think it, it, we cannot ignore what happened the last time they were in that. Sure. With,
0: yeah. The relative, right. Yeah. With a dead Lannister nearby.
1: And I, the, the, I only bring it up to show how far. I promise you, tra- I
0: promise you, be, uh, Antonio, people are bringing this up for sure.
1: Yeah, the, the, their relationship has diverged significantly since then. Yeah. Significantly, to the point where she's calling him stupid and he's just standing there with his mouth open like an idiot. So yeah. uh, this is a very different situation situation for Cersei and Jamie and for everybody in King's Landing, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about Tyrion.
0: Yeah, no, we'll, de- we'll definitely dive into the Cersei and Jamie stuff, I think, when, when we get to some of these questions from you guys, because uh, it's it's popping up a lot. Uh, and as you said, Antonio, it's definitely very different. Uh, but all right, let's talk about Tyrion. Uh, it's, a, it's an imp in the box he's been in a box for for weeks and weeks and weeks this poor guy it's
1: my dink in a box
0: my dink in a box and our dink has a beard what do you think of the dink with
1: the beard i uh, this is this is not i think this is the best dink i i mean it's the saddest dink that drunk I think.
0: bearded dink is the best dink
1: this is great dink puking we're getting dink? great dink puking dink is great dink this is, oh, man. this is this is some of the best ink we've had and he hasn't lost his propensity for for bon mots either i mean he's really just spitting them out left and right including spitting out wine but really he's 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 just coming out of the box like why did i have to stay in the box so long what who who um
0: let's let's try and figure this out is 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 tyrion barfing just spontaneously just and with no protection on the camera. You get to see it all. No warning, you just see the Dink barfing everywhere. Is that the grossest non-death thing we've seen on Game of Thrones?
1: I I mean non-wound related thing. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, like
0: non-injury, non-wound, non-death, just like normal thing, uh just mundane thing, just Tyrion vomiting. Grossest thing. I think so.
1: I think so. I think I think that's uh I think that's a pretty solid I was not happy. You guys have other nominations in the chat room or or anywhere else. Let us know. But, yeah, I think that was a pretty disgusting, like full vom right there,
0: yeah. And it was already pretty bad with him, like talking about how, like, he had to take poops through the holes in the box that he was traveling in and Paris like yeah well who had to clean your poop Tyrion? This conversation already was pretty nasty uh, but for it to be uh, followed up with Tyrion chugging two glasses of wine, vomiting the wine and then chugging another glass of wine immediately after that was yeah. pretty disgusting.
1: Exploding dink like just no good. Yeah. We don't I, it is very 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 gross and do you have one of those reactions Josh where if you see vomit you immediately want a vomit. Are you like no, a, no, I'm not a reactive vomiter? No, I'm not. I'm not. Me neither. I control Thank myself. I'm uh, me too. Me too. Uh, if I had a lot more to drink maybe, but I'm not the dink for crying out loud. I haven't been living in a box. Have you been living in a box?
0: No, I've never done that before. Uh, it looks, looks like it isn't fun. I've been thinking about it, but I, I think I'm going to go thumbs down on the living in the box plan. <laughs> You've
1: been thinking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, just as like a, as like an experiment just to try it out, just to see what it's like.
1: Would you have the air holes or how many, I mean, how would you, how else you, am I going to poof? Would you, <laughs> would
0: I, need, you drink, I need the
1: air holes you can still poop in the box you just can't get rid of it
0: well i don't want to do that
1: okay well i don't want you to live in a box at all my friend
0: no i already told you i'm not going to do it but i have okay, been think about it and seeing the dink do that it was no good um yeah, i felt it,
1: really, just felt really sorry for him
0: yeah well it's tough i mean he's really beating himself up over it i don't i don't know i mean I was about to say I don't think that he's losing much sleep over the fact that he killed his father. I think he's really upset over what he did to Shay. But I actually do think that he seems pretty bummed about what he did to his dad. Or at least it's kind of, you know, he's he's saying things that make it sound like he almost he can't believe himself. Like, I can't believe I did that.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, he's, this is where he is. His line is the future is S just like the past. And that's when he throws up and that's what his point of view is like the thing, like things that have happened to me before are horrible. And anything that's going to happen to me in the future is horrible. Like I hate my life and that's really where he's at and it's not good. Uh, It's not good. What did you think though, about them being back at a season one location, right? At Illyrio's house.
0: Pentos. Yeah. We haven't been to Pentos in a while.
1: Pentos, yeah, dear Pentos, I have a letter for you about what we saw tonight.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a funny joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder how often Varys has been writing to Pentos.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. You would. It sounds like Paris
0: would be big into Pentos, considering uh,
1: he's know, never he's, had he's never had a desire for anything. But yeah. he can't believe that this happened to him, Josh. Like yeah. he never thought it would happen to him. So he had to write somebody. Uh, yeah, he's been writing those dear Pentos letters for a while, uh, and I guess Illyrio has been getting them. But I guess they couldn't get Illyrio back. Too many people in the cast already.
0: Yeah, I think that's the problem. I also, I'm not surprised uh, to see that Tyrion is attracted to Pentos.
1: Yeah, Tyrion Tyrion recognizes it right away. He's like Pentos.
0: Yeah, he's a familiar he's familiar with Pentos for sure. <laughs> he
1: really uh, definitely is. But yeah, no,
0: I I mean Illyrio is a character who maybe um people don't entirely remember. He is from season one of Game of Thrones. He is the guy that is marrying or, or helping to arrange the marriage between Daenerys. And Cal uh, Drogo, Caldrogo, Drogo, Carl uh, Drogo, as, as Rob would say if you, <laughs> if you were here tonight. Um, this, is, this is the guy who was behind that, and he was working with Viserys, and it seemed like he was really trying to push uh, the Targaryen thing. Um, if, you, if you remember it, maybe you don't, there's a scene in season one where Arya is running around in the red keep chasing a cat, uh, and she sees two men talking, and I do believe that is Illyrio and Varys who are talking. So we knew that those two had known each other for a while, but in this episode we finally get it in plain English. We hear it from Varys finally saying who his allegiance is to. He is a Danny man. He is in on team Targaryen.
1: Yeah, and I really like his reasoning. And it's not it's not in the first scene, but he kind of he's a populist. Like he really doesn't like what happens to the people who have been stepped on all throughout history in Westeros. And he really does think that Danny can be this more sympathetic leader. And, I don't know, through really no real action of Varys. He, he's probably just been happy to observe she's emancipating people, she's trying to be a merciful ruler, and trying to lead with grace and dignity. Obviously that's going to be really hard, and I think we're seeing that through her storyline, but I think that's exactly what Varys wants out of her, and I think he's got to be really proud with what, what she's been doing so far, uh, you know, where she's been. So I do think that that is, a, that is an, an admirable reason. I Do we trust, do you trust Varys, the, the the most slimy kind of slithery guy this side of Littlefinger. Do you really trust that this is his prime motivation? This is exactly what he's been all about through and through?
0: You know, this is what I asked Rob during the Road to Westeros about Varys. It's like, do you believe him when he says, like, he's serving the realm? He believes in the realm. um, And, you know, there's no one on this show without shades of gray. There is no pure good and pure evil. Well, there might be some pure evils, but I don't think there are many pure goods. Uh, And and I I don't know about Varys. You know, Varys... I think if I were to put my life in the hands of Littlefinger or Varys, I think I'm picking Varys every day of the week in terms of the guy who has my best interests at heart. Um, But then again, I could make that choice and then I could wind up in a box without holes to poop through and I could just be pushed overboard. Who knows what Varys would do with me? I don't know that you can fully trust this guy. But what I will say, at least in relation to Tyrion, is Varys very obviously sacrificed his standing in Westeros, smuggling Tyrion out of there. And when we saw him in season four, um, it looked like Varys was going to be going back to uh, King's Landing uh, until the bells start ringing and it's clear that Tywin is dead and uh, Varys is kind of left without a choice. He sets sail with, with Tyrion there. So he risked and lost a lot uh, by helping Tyrion out. And I think, you know, why, why else would he help Tyrion unless what he is saying to him here has at least some um, you know, semblance of truth to it. This, this idea that uh, he believes that certain people with certain uh, sets of, of skills and certain talents are going to prove useful in the wars to come. And that's why he wants Tyrion. He wants Tyrion's help putting someone worthy on the throne. I think you've got to believe it at least to a degree.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that, th- I mean, I think that's very true. And I think you can contrast a little finger when you ask little finger, what he wants, little finger says he wants everything and he wants it for himself. That's what he wants. He wants everything. And Varys is saying, I want a ruler. Who's a little stronger than Tommen uh, and a little more merciful than Stannis and a little more likable than Stannis. And so I want, I want somebody who's different and he he gives a pretty good reason here why he wants them. And I, I mean, I have no, you're right. I have no, no reason to trust him unequivocally. I don't think you can do that. But I think that his motives have been pr- pretty pure throughout. There are some interesting scenes from season four, right? When, for example, at Tyrion's trial, Varys is called as a witness and he testifies against Tyrion. And Tyrion asks him the one question. He's like, didn't you say that I would be remembered? Did, did you forget all that? And Varys says, unfortunately, I never forget. And so, Varys, I think, has had this kind of self-preservation mode through a lot of what's gone on. But you're right; he was involved with helping Tyrion escape. Tyrion asked him the big question here: Why did you help me? And Varys is like, "Well, your brother asked me to." And then we get to this conversation about what's your what's your Varys prime goal? Like, what do you want to do? So I, I'm I'm have pretty good reason to believe him so far. But he this is Varys we're talking about. It's a pretty shifty guy. He's keeping another man in a box, and who knows what's going on with that poor guy? Who's cleaning out that guy's poop? right now
0: yeah who is yeah uh, do you think barris is doing that as well
1: no because i don't think he brought that guy with him like i think that you guy's think back.
0: guys stole Land? this guy's uh Pento subscription
1: yeah no, no that's no good that guy is not he is not in Pentos this this month uh or this episode i should say
0: yeah wh- what do you think has happened to that guy do you think he's just like in a box somewhere in king's landing right now
1: that's what i'm saying like i think this guy's probably done for like i don't he's i don't probably know already dead yeah he is dead mostly dead or all dead uh yeah, and not not good for that guy so because varus you're right he did leave rather unexpectedly he didn't he didn't take the time to say oh, i have someone in a box i need you to take care of make sure you clean out his poops and feed yeah. him occasionally yeah. give him wine to drink
0: yeah feed my face wasn't the
1: but guy's mouth shut
0: Yeah, no, that guy's done. He's That guy's done for. That magician (laughs) is bumped on. Uh, That is one of the most dead characters on Game of Thrones right now.
1: Yes, he is right up there with uh, Sergio Florel, I think.
0: Yeah, if if we were to do a death draft right now, that guy would be tops of my list. Uh, And we will probably never get confirmation on the show, but that guy, I guarantee he was dead.
1: He's dead. He's dead. Sergio F- Florel, is that his name? Sergio? Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Sergio is dead. Yeah. Uh, and and so those are two deads for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and we got another, I think we got another dead in this episode, don't we? Uh,
0: who? Who Who are you talking about? Uh,
1: well, I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll okay. we'll uh, end there in the movie.
0: We had a few deads in this episode.
1: We had a few deads, but yeah. Uh, but before I, we I, leave the Pentos
0: thing, can we talk about, about Tyrion and his reaction to, um, to, to, to Varys finally revealing uh, when he says... Uh, I never said anything about him. And it's kind of there that it dawns on Tyrion. He's like, oh, my God, you're backing Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, And he decides rather than just drink himself to death in Pentos, it seems like he's going to at least try and drink himself to death on the
1: road. Yeah. And is is that, is that what happened to Rob? Is that why Rob's not here? He was on the road to Westeros and just drank himself in the stupor?
0: No, he's on the road to Vegas and he is, um, he's winning awards. And when he's not winning awards, he is gambling uh, all the time.
1: All right. All right. Just making sure. Yeah. I I think that this is it's interesting because if you remember back in, I don't know, season two, season one, season four, all throughout, there were dispatches that were being received uh, from Jorah Mormont really uh, about about Daenerys. Right. And Varys was getting those dispatches. And so any news that the crown got about what was happening with Daenerys was filtered through Varys. So uh, you got to you got to think that Varys was probably giving them some information, but not all of it. So he's probably been in the tank for Danny and the Danny man all along, and it's probably something that if you re- if, if you rewatch it with that mindset that he's truly in the tank for Danny and been been that since the beginning. I think those moments where he's kind of spilling information about Danny's activities uh, are are a lot more interesting, knowing that he's probably doing so just enough uh, to give them information and keep himself there as the spider, but also enough to to protect her from what her true uh, actions are.
0: For sure. Uh, But I mean, this is exciting. Uh, Tyrion's story, as of right now, is Varys wants him to meet Daenerys Targaryen. We are, you know, it's been a long time in the making for Daenerys to encounter basically anybody uh, on this show who, you know, isn't, you know, part of her storyline specifically. You know, people like Tyrion, uh, everybody in Westeros, any Lannisters, you know, it's, it's been completely away from her storyline. And now we're talking about Tyrion Lannister, arguably, in many people's eyes, the best character in the show, meeting one of the other best characters on the show for the very first time. Uh, it's a pretty promising prospect.
1: Yeah, I, I and we, you guys took a poll after last season. What storyline are you most excited for? And that was one of the Throners awards. And I don't know that Tyrion meeting Vary or Tyrion meeting Danny was on that list because I don't think we necessarily knew that that was what was going to happen. This is no. In fact,
0: Tyrion and Varys was very high on the list, and then everything happening with Danny was very low. Uh, but I feel like these two paths potentially intersecting should increase uh, interest in both of those stories pretty significantly.
1: I agree. And this as I said at the beginning of this podcast, this is a great thing to do with the Danny storyline to really pick up business with what she's dealing with. Not that the storyline wasn't already more interesting with what we saw tonight, and we'll get into that shortly here. But I, I think this is a great thing to do. It also produced probably one of the biggest laugh out loud lines of the night for me when Var- when Varys is saying that you can do this. Tyrion, you're good for this. You can really help her. And and Tyrion's like, I killed my father and I killed I killed my lover the whore uh, with my bare hands. And Varys says, I never said you were perfect yeah that's good (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's hard out here for an imp isn't it Josh it truly
0: is especially uh, when when it comes to pentos Uh, well we're talking enough about Danny right now we may as well hop over to Marine unless you've got anything more if you've got any more letters to pentos
1: no I think we're good for now
0: all right. No more we'll letters. Just,
1: to we'll just uh, we'll just fold it from here.
0: No, but let's talk about uh, what's going on in Marine. They are um they're, they're pulling down the big harpy statue. It seems like everything is under control on the streets here. And then what do you know? Uh, an Unsullied gets his throat cut and that's bad for business.
1: Yeah, real. This is this is real bad for business. And like we said, cut by a terrifying, weird, scary, masked person. Not good. Uh, did you did you worry, by the way, Josh, did you have any fears that they had a uh, Bobby Draper gray worm here with a Vin Diesel type character?
0: I was watching this with my wife. Uh, my wife, Emily, does not my wife. my wife. My wife does not watch Game of Thrones very often, but she was watching this episode with me. And when gray worm popped up a couple scenes later, she's like, wait, but didn't he just die? And I wasn't very happy with that comment, I gotta say.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, they're unsullied. They're not supposed to stand out. They're yeah. all supposed to be very similar. There's not, I mean, even when they're pulling the statue down at the beginning of the first scene, they are lined up almost in perfect, like our alignment at the bottom of the base of that pyramid where the statue has pulled down the unsullied. Right. So I, I do think that there, there's a lot of commonality to the unsullied. I think that this show has Bobby Draper enough people has re has uh was it Darren from bewitched enough people that, uh, that you have to fear anytime you see somebody that's like, is this supposed to be the same? my mom is like is that i who's that is that supposed to be the same guy i don't know so i think people were a little bit concerned in that scene but yeah it's just a guy it's just a, what's his name what's his name white uh, white rat white rat i thought that was an insult that somebody was throwing at daenerys i was like oh no don't say that
0: don't say that no his name is white rat the only other unsullied that we have a name for i think is gray worm uh is this just like the way that they name themselves it's like pick a color and pick an animal you don't want as a pet and that's your unsullied name
1: yeah, that's I, I don't want an, a snake or, or, worm or a warmer or rat as a pet. What would your sure. What would
0: your unsullied name be oh,
1: You know, you know what my name would be. It would be like Red Spider. We don't want that.
0: Red Spider. You also don't like dogs.
1: No, I don't really like dogs. So it could be like Green Dog.
0: Green Dog. <laughs> green Dog, I'm enjoying podcasting with you, Green Dog.
1: Yes, I'm like, a, I'm like an Irish Unsullied. I'm a yeah. little bit of an Irish Unsullied. Green Dog. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, a little lilt to my uh, Unsulliedness.
0: Yeah, I think that that's how you get your Unsullied name, though. I think you just, rant, just first color that comes to mind uh, and then just an animal you really would not want to spend any time with a yeah. worm or a rat i think those are good examples
1: do they have to be lowly animals do you think like is that because you're you're unsullied you're you have no worth you're going to be like a vermin you know so it's going to oh, be like interesting termite or or rat or 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 worm or some lowly animal. animal yeah yeah would you be like blue beetle
0: blue beetle. don't make fun of blue beetle
1: oh, well who's the blue beetle he's
0: a comic book character and he's awesome
1: is that true? Yeah. Oh, I made a comic book reference. I didn't even know it. Yeah. The Blue Beetles is a real deal. I'm so happy with myself. Real good. No, yeah. I don't know how the Unsullied name themselves. And, and uh, to be fair, Grey Worm last season couldn't even remember what his own name was uh, before he was Grey Worm. He was only Unsullied, only Unsullied, only Unsullied. So I do think they give them these lowly names to just let them know, hey, you're not worth anything. You're just a Grey Worm. You're just yeah. a white rat.
0: Yeah. I'm calling a uh, beige crocodile. Beige
1: crocodile? Yeah.
0: That's what that's I'm getting. I'm, cool. I'm claiming that claim kind
1: of, that's kind of cool i think i like a, the that's kind of an that's like it's the name of my know.
0: band also
1: beige crocodile yeah it's good uh, that's pretty good i like that yeah is that your is that your name when you do drag shows too no what are you talking about Oh, well, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about upstate. No, 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 that's upstate New York. Um, anyway, right. yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about some more. I mean, so have we seen the the Sons of the Harpy? Have we heard about them on this, on this show before? I don't think we have, have we? I don't know how much we've heard
0: about it yet. I mean, just in, in passing, we certainly haven't seen masked men, slight, uh, slicing throats in, in, you know, uh, brothels or anything like that. This is a real act of war. Um, but we've gotten hints of course, that things are not all hunky-dory here in Marine, uh, as much as Danny wants to wants to feel like what she's done was a great thing for the people of Marine and that everybody's going to be very thankful to her for what she's done and you know she liberated slaves and all this stuff and she completely changed the power structure in this city. But we've found out while you know like hearing from a lot of these people, there was that one slave who came and said, "Can I be a slave again? My life was a lot better. I had purpose. I had students." Um, so her idea of of uh, of the right society like the proper society and the laws as it should be under her eyes has not matched perfectly uh with many of the people in her city um so we know that she has had conflict already to deal with. But this is, um, as Commissioner Gordon would say, escalation. Uh, You know, things have really heated up with the fact that somebody has killed one of her soldiers uh, and not just like in a brawl, in a misunderstanding and in the heat of the moment. This is an assassination. Uh, You know, this, this masked man knew that that white rat went to, you know, frequented this one prostitute Uh, she sings him to sleep every single time, apparently because she says, do you want the usual, the same thing you always get? And he came and he stabbed this man. This was a calculated thing. Um, this is, this is very new for Danny. Uh, certainly not something that we've seen her have to contend with for a long time. Her wars have been fairly direct. Uh, other than, you know, everything that happened in Karth in season two. But the less we talk about that, the better. Uh, but this is, you know, this is very, you know, like shadow tactics and things like that. It's it's a very different world and it's something that she ought to be pretty nervous about.
1: Yeah. What did you think of her response? She's basically she says she wants to make them angry because angry snakes lash out and it makes chopping their heads off easier.
0: Yeah, it's pretty badass.
1: She's a Targaryen. Let's She's not tar- forget. She's a Targaryen, you know, white rat All you want. She's a Targaryen. She's a red dragon.
0: Yeah. Fire and blood all the way. And, uh, you know, she, for all of her, you know, she certainly has some flaws so far in her leadership style. Obviously not everybody is happy. Um, but you know, she is, listen, she's Khaleesi. We love Daenerys. And one of the reasons I think is because she doesn't take any crap. You know, she is very, very strong willed and very willing to, uh, really charge head first and and deal with problems head on. She doesn't run, um, I mean, we'll talk about that, actually, when we when it comes to the dragons. But for the most part, she doesn't run away from her problems. She runs at them. Uh, And when somebody is coming and attacking her soldiers, attacking her people, uh, rather than try and find some way of forging peace with with the assassins or anything like that, she wants to draw them out. She wants to bring them out into the open. Um, and, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily how Tywin Lannister would handle it, for one. Uh, I think that maybe he would try and be a little bit sneakier about it. But Daenerys is just, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's uh, whack a mole here. Let's, let's, let's draw them out and let's cut their heads off.
1: Yeah, she's having a hard time, right? Because we see his daughter, Zalorek, come back. And if you'll recall, this is the, the last season, his pitch to her was that his father had been the sort of guy who was restoring culture to Murine and was right. building things back up. And Danny was like, oh, I'm very thankful. And she's like, he's, and he said, well, you crucified him. And I'd like to bury him. And she, he made a very kind of a like a direct, not only emotionally appealing, but logical pitch to her. She was impressed with him. She decided to send him on a diplomatic mission. He's come back he said that that mission has gone really well uh and so he's got another pitch for her tonight and he's saying hey let's reopen the fighting pits these people who you conquered they really want to see you be strong they want to see you reopen these fighting pits uh they'll, they'll be free people that are fighting in the pits not slaves they'll be paid to do this but this is what they want so she can't just be like this iron fist kind of waiting to cut snake's heads off another comic book reference." I don't even mean to do it. You an iron has, fist. He's a superhero. I did, star. and I'm talking about cutting people's heads off. It may as well be Hydra. But uh, but but no, I, she can't just be that way. She has to also be diplomatic. And so she's seeing that being a ruler means ruling with an iron fist. And I'm going to say it again, but also being diplomatic and having to make these diplomatic decisions. And we got a couple other scenes with her tonight. Like I said, his Darzaloric making the pitch. And then Josh, did we see? Did we have a? Did we have a juicy butt?
0: Pop it up uh, here in listen it wouldn't be wouldn't be an episode of game of thrones without some butts and we got some derriere some derriere yeah. Yeah. very
1: very good some nice dario
0: took us i know that there were some people who were like oh this episode and you know enough of the took us let's get some more violence let's get some more intrigue never enough took us on game of thrones for me
1: you can always have, pillar and stones, questionable, but took us all day long. I think is where it goes. Like I, I don't think you're going to get pillar and stones on every episode. We saw a little bit from Hodor at one no, point. I've,
0: yeah, I'm always advocating for more pillar and stones. On Game I,
1: on I'm saying you're not going to get it on every episode. But you'll
0: usually get some. You'll get some butt, and you'll get a healthy amount of man butt throughout the season. I'm sure. Uh, and you know, just to wet our appetites, here we go with, with Dario. And we didn't even say, it, but Loris and Oliver, we got some Keister there as well. So uh, the the seven are being generous when it comes to. Uh, giving us the butts on the Game of Thrones season
1: five premiere. They are. I think uh, Game of Thrones is maybe learning about their their sex position a little bit and learning about their nudity and saying, if it's good for the goose, it better well be good for the gander as well. So take a gander at this gander. Let's see some Darriere.
0: Yeah. Do you think Darriere posed uh, ever in Pentos?
1: Maybe like Burt Reynolds style, like like he was in, you know, I don't know. That was a different city maybe.
0: Yeah. Facing the other direction as uh, Burt Reynolds.
1: Yes, ma- yes, ex- exactly Just uh, just kind of splayed out a little bit Differently there, and it's like I said, it's a different city I don't think that was in Pentos
0: Yeah, but I've completely derailed what you were saying, but I, I, know, I know Where you were driving at, Antonio, and it is uh, You know, Dario, who really Has Danny's ear, you know He is somebody that she really listens to One of few people she listens to right now um, And he is Saying, like, I tell you the truth, because I'm not Afraid to tell you the truth, and everybody else is very Scared of you, uh, and the truth is You should open the fighting pits, I was I, I was really good down there. I was a celebrity in the fighting pits. And because of that, I was able to buy my way out of fr- uh, out of slavery. And I got into the Second Sons and through them, I got to meet you. So really good things happened for me out of the fighting pits. It's going to be good between you and you, Kai, if you just say yes to this. I recommend you do it. And it's, it's like
1: Danny's thinking about it.
0: You know, she she listens to, to Daria
1: yeah but what really comes out in this moment as, as always happens I think in, in real life is this little pillow talk moment produces some actual vulnerability from Daenerys uh, when Daenerys is basically saying like I, I haven't seen my dragon uh, I haven't seen Drogon in a while like uh, he could be halfway across the world by now how can I be the mother of dragons how can I if, I if I don't have dragons and I can't control them what am I actually the mother of what am I actually the queen of and I think that that's really what's on her mind more than the fighting pits more than anything else that's her real moment of vulnerability and we do see her go down into uh the crypt there and try to talk to uh Rhaegal and Viserion the the other dragons and they're not happy they're not happy down there uh their mother did to them they're like a couple of teenagers who have been grounded then didn't get to play xbox it's not not going well down there who's cleaning up up their poop Josh that's what I want (laughs) yeah no one no
0: one's cleaning up their poop no but that's a really that's a really interesting comparison because I really did sort of feel like um Uh, that these were like the dragons are like in the rebellious teen phase right now. Drogon's run away from home. Uh, These two dragons are like snapping at their mom. So it definitely feels like that's the phase that they're in. Um, But even Dario, you know, he responds to to Danny when she expresses this concern and says something to the effect of, uh, you know, uh, the queen of uh, dragons, the dragon queen without dragons is no queen. So again, he's giving her the harsh reality, which is like, Yeah, you got to get your shit together when it comes to the dragons.
1: Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that is what it ultimately comes down to. I think a lot of people it's, they're talking about it in our chat room at post-show recaps right now. I think a lot of people are just sort of frustrated with the Danny storyline and the Marine storyline. I do think it's good news. Hopefully people are excited that the dink is headed there, whether he'll make it there or drink himself to death first first remains to be seen. But I think that's good news. I do think that those two characters being together and what that will bring if they, if they are able to come together, uh, should be exciting. But I think the dragons, we, we, you had questions about it from Jason burning on the road to Westeros, who's going to ride the dragons, what's going to happen with the dragons. And I think that that is, that's what people want to see. So dragon talk is always good. Seeing the dragons down there, knowing that there's this sort of dragon of Damocles hanging over the whole city, uh, just, over everyone's head, ready to fly in and burn up another kid at a moment's notice, I think is a very big deal. And I think the more we're reminded of that, uh, that these dragons make her very different. Uh, otherwise, she's just another ruler who has the typical ruler problems. I think that's very important. So, I, I hope we're going to see more of these dragons.
0: Alright, so so anything else on Daenerys and Meereen before we move on to another storyline?
1: One more scene we forgot to mention. Uh, we got a little bit more extension of Missandei and Grey Worm. It yeah, was not, I was hoping was not you a, wouldn't
0: bring it up, blah, blah. I mean, but
1: she she wants to know what those unsullied do in those soup kitchens or whatever you call them brothels, whatever they're whatever they're called. Um, she wants to know what's going on there. She wants to know pillar and stones. What's I know, happening? Gray worm says, "No, no." Yeah, that's the right answer, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's the right answer. You don't say. Well, I'll tell you exactly what happens. You pay fifty this, and you do this, and then this happens. No, no, I don't know. Is the right answer? Yeah, every time, every time. But uh, yeah, I mean, where is this going? Is this going anywhere?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't think that this is on the show unless it's going somewhere, Uh, you know, and we we got a lot of groundwork for it back in season four, uh, that Grey Worm seems to really have a thing for Missandei and she's, you know, thinking about the pillar and the stones and, uh, you know, can you have feelings without that and all this stuff. Um, I think that we are, you know, definite Grey Worm Masande Showman's territory, and it doesn't seem like the writers forgot about it in the off season. It seems like this is very much going to be a thing on season five of Game of Thrones. Yep, and I'm not pumped about it. I'll be honest, it's not my favorite thing. Uh, no, that me That all, you know, I, I I give the thumbs down to that. Uh, unless they can really find a way to make it pretty compelling, but uh, when those two are together on screen, for me, it's just. Uh, I'm ready to move on to the next scene, and there there are very few storylines on this show where I can say that about.
1: Speaking of moving on to the next scene, where do you want to go next?
0: Uh, well, we we have two options: we could talk about everything in the veil, or we could skip to the Night's Watch.
1: Let's go to the veil first. Let's finish with the. Let's Night's just
0: watch. finish. Let's finish in the veil. Let's do that real quick. Uh, and we see um, uh, sweet Robin,
1: not so good with the sword. What did you expect? That poor kid never had a chance
0: uh it was it was pretty great uh just get it just watching him just like be horrible uh trying to figure out his way through a through a training session was just ah uh, was delightful
1: the repeated yelps like, oh, oh, oh. they were pretty funny
0: yeah but you know little
1: saying like give him time he's gonna develop he's gonna grow he'll no. be big no little finger is no billy bean this is not sabermetrics like this is not a prospect only you see something in this guy robin sweet robin not i mean he probably needed a big glass of milk after that you know what i'm saying yeah
0: for sure he's got potential though he can he's no, gonna, no he's got no you don't think so
1: none no he has his name <laughs> he has his name and i he's proud of that name for sure yeah. but uh man this kid's got some growing up to do but he's being uh, I don't think
0: he's got like neville long bottom upside like you don't think that he could just like be a little bit of a twerp to begin with and then grow up to be kind of like a sexy hero
1: spoiler alert Oh, come on,
0: Harry, Potter. Harry Potter. Potter, all these years later.
1: I don't know. Yeah, but no, I, yeah, I guess I don't think that that's going to happen with Sweet Robin. I just don't see it. Uh, he was breastfed for far too long. Yeah, uh, He's he's been obsessed with the moon door. He he gets just he cannot handle any criticism. He knocks over a snow tower at the snow winter fell and he loses his mind. Sansa slaps the S out of him like this is not a good kid. This poor kid never had a chance. I think Littlefinger knew it. And I think Littlefinger's is throwing him to the wolves, metaphorically speaking.
0: Yeah. So what's Littlefinger's plan by sending uh, Sweet Robin to Royce here to Jan Royce? Bronze John Royce is the name of this guy.
1: I think he's just given him. Uh, I think he's just giving him a task. It's going to keep him busy. And this is your job here. Don't you worry about anything else that's going on. Don't ask a lot of questions. You got to build up, sweet Robin here. It's your job to make him into a man.
0: Your uh, little finger impression there was like kind of like Italian.
1: You got you know, to. That was just that was my normal voice. was no, wasn't no you were slipping into something. I was slipping a, a, a little something more comfortable. Yeah, I think so. No, I wasn't really. I mean, I, I got to say, like, if you're, if you're going to do Littlefinger, you have the Roy Dotrice way, which is sort of pirate Littlefinger, like, and then you've got maybe the the kind of way that it's done on the show, which is very inconsistent. Like, sometimes he'll talk like this and say, I think he's got potential. And then sometimes he will be more, a lot more pirate. Oh, you've got a great rapport. It's a great girl. You know, he's just all over the place, this little finger. I don't think there's much we can do with him. Well, but well
0: speaking uh, of little finger being all over the place, where's he going? Where's he going? He, he's going to be, he's in a carriage with Sansa later on, and he is going to say to her, uh, We are go. I'm taking you somewhere so far away, to a land so far away that Cersei Lannister can't touch you.
1: Where is that? America?
0: <laughs> America? No, I mean, it's, 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 I'm, you know, in Westeros, you know, if it's the seven kingdoms. There are plenty of places, I can't think of many places where Cersei Lannister doesn't have some semblance of influence, you know?
1: Bear Island? Is he going to Bear Island?
0: Bear Island?
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe he's going to, I mean, he could be going beyond the wall. He could be going to, he could kind of be going to, uh, you don't want to really take him to Castle Black, because you've got Jano Slint there, and you've got other people there from, from kind of uh, from Cersei's sort of sphere of influence. So I don't think you want to send Sansa to to Castle Black. I mean, where, I don't know. And
0: again, you know, Stannis is running the show kind of at Castle Black right now. Um, Could he be defecting to Stannis and bringing Sansa there could be a reunion with Jon Snow.
1: That's true. I, the thing is, she's really like the, the, the area is such a impenetrable fortress a a fortress of impenetrableness that I don't know that you could really get there. Uh, and so I don't know why you wouldn't just keep her there. I don't, anybody that would be coming for her is not going to be able to make it up through that, that the, the bloody gate and all the way to get up to the Erie. So I don't know why he wouldn't just keep her there. I don't really know where he's taking her. I guess we're just going to do. I mean, I don't have any theories. I mean, look, I've read the books, so I have some theories but I don't think the show is really tip to tat in any way about where she's going. Do you, do you have any idea on the show that, that that could be anywhere? No. I
0: mean, again, I, I think that that's a, it's an interesting point. And just in terms of like, you know, Game of Thrones is a show that for the most part has been very, very faithful to the source material. It's made departures here and there um, in important ways, you know, sometimes. Um, but we are we are at the point where the show is adapting the final material in the books that have been published so far. There are still two books that are supposed to come out. But uh, the Sansa story, we're basically done in terms of what's been released so everybody's at a disadvantage no one knows where sansa's going so i'm curious i'm i'm excited to see where little finger's taking her uh it could could be pretty cool uh no no idea but what I, what i what i guffawed at what i thought was really hilarious was uh brienne who was like um, yeah i still gotta find sansa and Sansa's just like five feet away from her
1: <laughs> your brienne was <laughs> no sounding like schwarzenegger there Look,
0: come on sansa
1: I've got to find her.
0: To to find her, her, her. Get to Aria, the chopper. Aria, Aria. God, we must take the road. Take her back. Take Grab my hand.
1: Yeah. Get to the chopper.
0: Get to the padre. Yeah. So she's <laughs> very close to Sansa, but she misses her. Uh, yeah. Just like this. She's so close.
1: I mean, so she far. literally saw her. In a, I didn't know it was her. I saw her in a carriage riding by.
0: Yeah. What a bummer. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we kind of, uh, we poo-pooed on, uh, Brienne and Podrick a little bit during the road to Westeros, how that's not the most dynamic storyline going on. And, uh, you know, Podrick might be better served hanging out with other characters. And it seems like even Brienne agrees. She's yeah. like, Podrick, get out of here. You, you know, you call yourself a squire. A squire has to serve a knight. I'm not a knight. Uh, you were, we, you, I took you because, Uh, You were going to get killed in King's Landing. We're really far from King's Landing. No one knows you. Podrick, we've got Podrick here. See, nobody cares. You know, it's just like no one cares about you, Podrick. Just run away. Just run away.
1: Yeah, Uh, she's joined the writing staff of Game of Thrones, and she's like, this is going to be better for you, believe me.
0: But it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. It seems like he's in it. He loves the Brienne thing. Big fan.
1: Is he just going to follow her around like at a distance and end up saving her life midway through this season at some point? Maybe. That seems like a very Podrick thing to do, doesn't it?
0: It does seem very Podrick.
1: Sleep his way down the King's Road. Yeah, you know, tie some Myraine's knots.
0: Just it, it just occurred to me now. It is called a Myraine's knot, but you know Podrick does seem to know a thing or two. I wonder if he learned uh, some of
1: his tricks from Pentos. Yeah, he, may, he may well have. He may well have. He, he may have well. been to Pen- He may have been to Pentos.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, I think that's pretty much everything we need to talk about with the Sansa stuff. And I'm really itching to get into the Night's Watch story. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Broad strokes. What what are your feelings on uh, everything that happened at the watch tonight?
1: Uh, this is great, Jon Snow. And I've not been the biggest fan of kid acting. That's Kid Harrington, not kid acting. Uh, but I think that he's bringing it uh, in this sort of role now uh, where he's he's had a lot happen to him. He's seen some shit and he's going to have to deal with the, the kind of aftermath of all this. He sees Sir Alistair there. He sees Janno Slint just walking around like the cock of the walk. And he's he's recognized kind of what these people really are. And a lot of his good friends have died. Uh, and he knows what it's like to be Mance Raider more than anybody in that room, uh, more than anybody that's at the Castle Black, he knows what it's like to be Mance. He's not only kind of turned coat a little bit and literally laid down with the Wildlings, but I think he respects that and understands what Mance's goals were. So this is all really tough for him, and I think this is great stuff for Kit Harrington. and I thought that he brought it tonight. I thought he was really, really good.
0: Yeah, I thought he was great, too, and I, I, it's a really interesting spot for Jon Snow, who not only sympathizes with uh, with Mance Raider and the Wildling cause, you know, he's going to say at one point, like, it's not there fault that they were born on the wrong side of the wall which is a really poignant thing to say about these wildlings who we as an audience have kind of just viewed as the enemy for a long time and you know that really does bring a different dimension to the characters just to to think about everything that they have been through and just to put it in such a simple sentence really kind of sums up uh, maybe we shouldn't be so quick to judge um but but aside from that uh is he's in this interesting spot of kind of being uh, Stannis Baratheon's go-to guy to a degree, you know, Stannis summons Melisandre, the, the red priestess to go fetch him so that they can talk. We have to talk <laughs> yeah, about that, we got to
1: talk about that.
0: That was awkward, what, what are your thoughts on that elevator ride?
1: Uh, that's a pretty solid elevator scene, I gotta yeah. say that's uh, t- touching madmen in terms of uh, great scenes in elevators, but uh, but yeah, what what does she ask him? She says, are you are you a virgin? Yeah. And he and, says, and no, no.
0: Uh, What does she say to that? I think I, she she says good, and I think that that, that, is a, that is a testament to the fact that when a red priestess asks you if you are a virgin, you say
1: no. Yes, you, you definitely say no. Say no. You Those are the rules. say you're a god. Say you're a god. Yeah,
0: you say no. Uh, no, that was great. That was a really fun moment. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's up there. Uh, Melisandra and Jon Snow. Um, Melisandre, as we Melisandre. call it. Westeros, I think it is alive right now, and uh, that elevator scene was pretty great but yes yeah, stannis basically wants john's help in getting manse raider to bend the knee and convince the wildlings to fight for stannis uh, to go and kick Roose Bolton's ass out of Winterfell, uh, and he will free them. He will he will pardon all of the free folk. He will make them citizens of the realm. Uh, it's a pretty alluring offer, especially considering what we and what what Mance and what John, what basically everybody who has you know a brain and lives near the Wall should know, uh, is that. Winter is coming. There are bad things way beyond the wall, things that are going to make all the infighting in King's Landing, everything, all this political nonsense look very, very silly when it arrives. Um, And Mance has an opportunity to save his people, to save his own life. And Stannis wants John to be the guy to convince Mance to do the sensible thing, but Mance isn't going to do it even in the face of being burned alive, which sounds pretty horrible. uh, And Mance does not sound excited at the prospect, but he is still not going to budge. And if he has to explain to you why, then it's not worth explaining.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's fair. It's like the conscription of the Irish in the U.S. Civil War. Like I understand that there are some people that have some needs here. uh, And yeah, you have some uses that you want to use them as kind of chattel or charnel to kind of burn through uh, to to win this war for yourself. But that's a pretty heavy price to pay for something that they could probably get on their own in a lot of respects in different ways. I mean, we know that that wall is largely unguarded. And sure, a lot of them might die on the way through, but probably less uh, than would die uh, as fighting in this war for some Cause that they're not even part of, of these Buffalo soldiers, like this is no good. Uh, and I understand exactly why Mance is, is against this idea, but man, being burned alive in in support of that is a, a pretty big uh, martyrdom uh, to to kind of accept uh, as your role there. Because something tells me that the, the offer is going to remain uh, and Stannis still needs those people, but Mance is, is dead now.
0: Yeah, well, that was that was pretty wild, Ling. Uh, when oh. when uh, he is about to be burned alive, uh, it is looking really terrible. It's so painful for everybody to watch. Sam and Gilly are having a hard time. Everybody's having a hard time watching it. Tormund Giantsbane, who is not typically an emotional guy, is looking pretty emotional as he's looking upon Manceer and seeing what his fate is about to be. And then off walks Jon Snow, and he returns and just... Shoots an arrow into the guy, Uh, just puts him out of his misery. Uh, What what happens to Jon Snow there? Uh, Does that put him in pretty bad with Stannis?
1: I don't know. I don't know if it puts him in bad with Stannis. I think Stannis might respect that. He just put him out of his misery. But maybe maybe the misery is what is what they like there. Uh, You saw a shot of Stannis's wife just kind of big smile on her face like she didn't have a problem watching it at all Uh, and they were making princess shireen watch it and she was not comfortable with it uh so there are a lot of people that have a lot of different things at stake with that burning but uh but Ah. yeah i think i think all of them i think all of them had various reactions probably to what john did some of them were probably like good you put him out of his misery and some of them were probably pretty upset i don't know about stannis i think stannis is probably going to see john snow as this sort of iconoclast pushback kind of guy and he might respect that on some level because Stannis is a little hard-headed himself i don't know if you know that about him josh
0: i've heard i've heard this thing about uh breaking before he bends
1: plus we've got a little a uh, little bit of that romance going on with melejandra so maybe she's just gonna maybe she's just gonna be more excited with that romance
0: yeah it should be interesting uh but no it was it was a great great episode for Jon snow uh one one of his best i think um, and I'm very intrigued about about this storyline. You know, Jon Snow is my favorite character from the books, has not always been my favorite character in the show. Um, I really like where he's positioned right now. I really like that it seems that Kit Harrington is bringing it. Um, we'll see. Uh, and and pour one out for Kieran Hines, who plays Mance Raider, who uh, I uh, he's a tremendous actor. I feel like could have been used more on the show. We could have seen a little bit more of him. Um, but every time we did see him, he was just terrific. Uh, and his final episode here was no exception.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And I, I just the way it all played out was harrowing. It was chilling. Uh, and the only thing that we haven't talked about, Josh, is how about your boy Sam bragging it up, dude? he's he's just laying it up Craven, that was so season four i'm the man sam the
0: man i've got everything going for me have you killed a white walker have you killed a wild thing i'm the best i have a girlfriend everything is so good this season it's the season of sam everything's coming up samwell tarly and i am jazzed i'm loving it
1: do you, do you think he's gonna make good on that promise if, if gilly gets sent away is he going with her
0: yeah, I don't give an F. They can send all the people they want after me. They, they kill deserters. They've never met Sam the Slayer. I'll slay them. There's nothing that's getting in my way. Gilly will leave this place and I'll become the king. I will rule Westeros. I'm the man. Oh. Sam, was are Oh, it's, Sam. It's the year of Sam. Listen. Sam, the Iron Throne? Samuel Tarly got drunk at the Throners, made a big embarrassment out of himself. He woke up the next day and he had an epiphany and realized how awesome he was. And here he is in season five, living up to it. Sam yeah. the best. Sam is the man. I'm pumped for Sam.
1: The interesting thing is we did not get a training montage in response to that epiphany. He vehemently refused a training montage. No he training some recruit. who needs to train? I don't need to train. I killed a white walker. I killed a wild thing. <laughs> I'm the best. Yeah, this is great, Sam. Sam is bragging it up. I love Messiah. it.. I love it. Once he dropped, once he started cursing at the battle of the wall, I think it was all, I think it was all up starting uphill from there. He had a little ugly incident at the throners notwithstanding, but I think he's really on a turnaround here. We're going to, the sky is the limit now for Samwell Tarly. He may build a hot air balloon and fly through the entire North.
0: Oh my God! Well, let's fly through the entire list of questions you guys have sent our way all over the night. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring in Scott Saint Pierre. He's been tracking your questions all throughout this podcast. Uh, if you've got any more, you can send them our way. Tweet them to at post show recaps using the hashtag PS recaps. You can leave them in the comments and on YouTube and in the chat room as well. And Scott is paying attention to everything you guys are saying. So let's lead it off with John Franco, who says, "Was Tyrion really that uncomfortable in the box?" Oh, sad. Yeah, I think so. You know, maybe for like an hour or a night of sleep, maybe he would have been fine. But to be shackled up in there for
1: weeks. Yeah, come on. Come on, John Franco. Like, yeah. Listen, is that a short joke? It's a short joke.
0: It's a short joke. I feel bad. (laughs) Uh,
1: I feel bad. I don't think I think he was upset in that box. You can't put anybody in a box. Listen, you can't put the dink in the box. Nobody puts dink in the box.
0: Nobody puts dink in the box. It's the dink in the box. A dink in a box, girl. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was enjoying it. I don't think he liked it very much. Uh, yeah. Do you? Do you have this next question, Antonio?
1: Yeah. So this is from Rabs266. This says, uh, so the captive dragons are really big, but it looks like they can't grow any bigger. If Drogon is not captive, I assume the Drogon's big enough by now for Daenerys to ride. Is this, a, is this like a fish situation, Josh? Do the dragons grow as big as the tank they're kept in?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know much about uh, how to breed your dragons uh, and how to, <laughs> how to grow them either. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised if that was the case.
1: That would be uh, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, and I don't know exactly where uh, I, don't ex- I don't know exactly where Drogon even is. And neither does Danny, So he could be the size of the Empire State Building at this point, And I don't think we would really know uh, everything that happened. Uh, so I, I guess I guess I got to say uh, we'll just have to wait and see on Drogon.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, We have a question here. How do you feel overall this episode did? Setting the table for the season, are we all in? Well, let's let's talk about that, Antonio, because this definitely was a setup episode, agreed?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you had to, you had. To, it wasn't the episode that we got at the premiere last season with that great ending with Arya and the Hound at the inn, but uh, I think it really did a good job of of moving it forward the storylines and putting them in motion. So we didn't see Varys and Tyrion at sea; they'd landed already and they were ready to rock yeah Uh, we didn't see Daenerys kind of uh dealing with uh how everything was beginning uh we saw somebody getting killed and Daenerys having to deal with that so I think that it was a setup episode but I think it was we began in medias res of a lot of things and I think that it really picked up so I I mean I I was I was very pleased for that
0: yeah but as for the we all in? I don't know. I mean, I, I have seen in my travels uh, tonight I have seen some some reactions from some people who were not wild about, uh, about this episode who thought that maybe it was a little bit meandering and biding its time a little bit. But I think that that's kind of you know, the thing about Game of Thrones that I really like is it, it takes its time to tell its story. Uh, a lot of people, you know, just want to get to the meat of the matter as quickly as possible. But I don't think that's ever been Thrones. I think Thrones takes its time, especially in those first and last episodes of the season. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm certainly interested in how they set the table for, for this episode. you got to remember that it's, a, that it's a 10 episode season. We've got nine episodes still to go. Uh, and I think that we're certainly set for some interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so speaking of table setting, this one's from Brendan Fitzpatrick and Brendan asked, so table setting, we get Lancel and Kevin Lannister back. Are you happy to see them? And I guess I would add to that question. What do you think of them being back? We talked about Lancel being a loose end. We didn't talk much about Kevin Lannister, uh, Lancel's father who kind of speaks up and apologizes for his son there. Um, we're They're there. We're reintroduced to them. Are, are you are you excited about what role they might play? I mean, there's a Lannister power void with, with Tywin gone. Uh, and I don't know that either of these two are the one to step up to fill it, but, but what do you think about seeing them in the first episode here?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... I'm interested about the Lancel thing for sure, because if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm Cersei, I am offing that guy as quickly as possible. Yeah. And, I, and I hope that show Cersei. I hope that the, that the character realizes this as well. I, I hope that this is where we're going. Uh, and I think it would be very entertaining to see on the show, but regardless, you know, having Lancel in the mix, um, is he going to, is he going to do uh, unnatural stuff again? Is he going to, you know, fall back into those old ways that, that, you know, he, He used to be with Cersei back in season two, even though he's found religion since then is seeing Cersei going to be too much of a temptation for him. So I find that interesting. I find him bringing the faith into the mix. I find that interesting as well. Uh, As for Kevin Lannister, eh, you know, he's diet Tywin Lannister. You know, he's Tywin Lannister zero. Uh, I, I could take him or leave him. I'm much more interested in Cersei and Jaime right now than I am in him, but we'll see. You know, I think that he, um, he was always kind of Tywin's vanilla little brother, you know, just the guy who seemed a little bit bland and, uh, didn't bring too much to the table, but maybe now that his, his brother is gone, we'll see him step out of the shadow. a little bit.
1: All right. Are you ready for another one?
0: Yeah, here's another one. Uh, this is uh, another question. This is so, so Antonio, you and I, we didn't pay too much attention to the opening credits. At least we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, and I will, I will say that I was a little distracted during the opening credits. But here's the question: Were you guys saddened to see the Boltons flayed man on Winterfell in the opening? Uh, I didn't realize that that was the case. So the the flayed man of the the Bolton flag house Bolton is hanging out over Winterfell now. That's brutal.
1: Not good. Not good. Yeah, we got, we got the Erie here. Winterfell was definitely a little different. We got Pentos and Marine, so we knew we were going to end up there. But the credits are always fun to pay attention to, right, because of those little details. When Winterfell was burned, it was smoldering in the credits. And we've seen, I, you know, I, I got to think that the the heartbeat being pulled down, uh, or the Cronum, sorry, or, or whatever, the statue being pulled down in Marine. It's going to be reflected in the credits like these things. The credits do change. So, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty difficult thing to look at there for sure.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely brutal. Uh, if, if that's really I have to go back and look. But that's that's deeply depressing. But, you know, it's that's the the new Westeros order, man. I mean, we are living in a world where the Boltons are kicking back in Winterfell. Uh, highly, highly depressing, but, but that is indeed the case. Uh, let's take another question. All right, so this is about what John uh, chose to do with Mance. Do we think John saw Mance's choice as similar to the Ned Stark ethos of death before dishonor, and that's why he gave him mercy? Uh, what do you think about this, Antonio? Do you think John was channeling his father? Uh, was he channeling Eddard Stark in this moment?
1: A little bit. I think that uh, John probably felt like he was responsible for the sentence uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that he wasn't able to persuade um, Mance to, to kind of bend the knee. And so I think sometimes if you if you if you're responsible for the sentence you carry it out that's the Edward Stark code and i think that that john did that but i think it was more mercy than anything else i think that that's just being merciful uh, not being just or anything else like that it's just that is no way for a person to die stannis was using his death to make a, a, a socio-political religious point that didn't necessarily even need to be made melisandre goes on this big rant about how you know you choose you can choose light or dark you can choose good or evil you can choose our god like she's trying to do religious conversions and of course that's why Stanis' wife is laughing it up that's why that, that's why melisandre's the one lighting the fire but uh, i don't think john really sees Mance as somebody he needs to die for that cause and i think that that's i think that that's something that um, that he really says this is not justice and and i'll, I'll give justice which is if you're going to kill him i'm just going to shoot him yeah so yeah i don't know i i i definitely think that uh, that this is john's got a little eddard stark in him though i don't think he's going to have any problem uh, delivering justice when he needs to
0: yeah i think so uh what's the next question antonio
1: so this one is from we had a couple people ask about this question uh and it's really just kind of this one the example is from natalie chicago and natalie says no aria wasn't her storyline no story in season five why would they not have fit a little of her in this episode
0: uh a little is what i just heard uh no it's not the first time that we've seen Arya sit out of a season premiere just thinking about it i know that she was not hanging out much in the season two premiere. Uh, I don't know if she shows up at all in the season two premiere, so it's not unprecedented uh, to not have Arya in an episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we did check in with many of the characters. We, we didn't get to see her. We didn't get to see the Boltons. I'm not losing much sleep over not seeing the Boltons in this past episode. Uh, But Arya is such a fan favorite and Arya was voted the storyline we're most excited to see uh, during the Throners. So I can imagine many people are disappointed that there was no Arya tonight, but I'm sure it's not going to take very long to get a whole lot of Arya and uh, pretty confident that the Arya stuff this season is going to kick a lot of ass.
1: Yeah, our Philly, another great commenter to a lot of our shows, uh, basically observed that that's probably a build of anticipation, uh, that these guys know we want to see Arya, Let's hold off on the Aria just a little bit and we'll give a ton of Aria next episode uh, and that'll be fine. So I think that's where we're at with that. Hopefully, hopefully, right?
0: Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. All right. What do we got next?
1: How about this one from Spicy Wasabi? Teddy Blueby and, and, and Teddy says this. So what now for the Wildlings? Will Stannis offer them land and service in his army after Mance refused? I mean, are we going to like I said, I think that Stannis needs these guys.
0: Yeah, uh, let me just interrupt by saying that I I have uh, I have Game of Thrones on in the background uh, on my TV in the background. Did the credits just it. load? Yeah, and the credits just loaded, and absolutely the Flayed Man is on Winterfell, and that's horrible.
1: Oh no, that's
0: so sad. That's so tragic. Uh, yeah, I'm upset. Uh, well, all right. this so, is
1: still going to offer this deal, right?
0: Yeah. So I, I think so. I mean, he needs these people, he needs these people very badly. Um, you know, he, he had enough men to knock down the free folk. Uh, but you know, He needs more men to sack Winterfell. You know, he took these people out in the open, you know, ambushed them at a camp. That's a very different thing than ambushing people at a castle, uh, at a castle as as uh, fortified and strong as Winterfell. Not that sacking Winterfell is impossible, as we've seen in the past, but it's a difficult task. uh, And. Roose Bolton is backed by the Lannisters. He's got money. He is a flush with cash, so he is going to be a difficult person to take down. Um, and he needs as many people. Stannis needs as many people as he can get. And I think that just because Mance is gone, doesn't mean he won't extend this offer to somebody else. Uh, you got to imagine that, like Tormund Giants Bane is going to be the next guy in charge of these wildlings. That just seems to be how it's going to fall. Unless some, you know, someone steps out of the the extras, you know, some extra steps forward and becomes the new, uh, king of the free folk, uh, all of Nikki Paolo, just like stepping into the ring. Uh, but I would, my money would be on tournament. And I bet that, that, uh, Stannis makes this offer. Uh, he needs these people pretty bad.
1: Yeah. He need, I, and, and I, I agree. I think he needs it. He needs it too bad. And I don't know. I think man's probably recognized that. So he says it wasn't about his pride, but at the end of the day, uh, I do think that that the offer is still going to be made. Mance was smart enough to know that, I would think. Uh, this is a pretty good one, Josh. We're going to do a couple more questions uh, if you've got time.
0: Yeah, let's do, uh, let's do like three more.
1: Okay, so this one is for Mama's Love 77, Stephanie. And Stephanie says, Littlefinger got a note. He did receive a note while he was watching Sweet Robin Train. So Stephanie wants to know, what news did he receive? Tywin's death, Stannis at the Wall?
0: Hmm. Um... At this point, it could be Tywin's death. Uh, maybe Tywin's death is what gives him sort of the, the, the boost uh, to put whatever his next plan and emotion is. Uh, I could see that. But then again, Stannis being at the wall, that could you know play into this idea that maybe Littlefinger and Sansa are heading there for whatever reason. I think both of those are really good theories. Maybe it's Littlefinger's birthday and somebody wished him a happy birthday and Littlefinger's not making a big deal out of it. It's possible
1: yeah it's, it's it's possible i don't think it's a birthday card though i didn't see any money in there did you did he shake it to see if there's any money in there uh-huh. he's like what the hell yeah don't wish me a happy birthday and don't send me a dollar his nana must be dead
0: oh he's very upset
1: yeah so that, that yeah I, I mean I do think you have a theory
0: probably, antonio what's what's I mean, in the letter
1: I mean, if you want a funny theory, I I don't know. I think that that might have been I think that might have been something ridiculous happening. So I I don't know exactly what uh, what that what that news was. It could have been anything could have been something about uh, TMZ could have been like, hey, buddy, your episodes leaked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is not good. Well, he he doesn't need TMZ to tell him because, you know, that Littlefinger leaked the episodes.
1: Oh th- th- well, what was his plan then? He just wanted chaos.
0: It's a ladder, baby. Chaos is a ladder. Yeah, It's a leaky ladder.
1: It's a leaky chaos ladder. All
0: right, let's do two
1: more. All right, so here's here's one. Um, this is uh, this is from Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce, Sir Pounce wants to know. Sorry, Sir Pounce. I we didn't see any Sir Pounce tonight. But are we gonna see
0: Sir Pounce this season?
1: I don't think we are. I, what? I, I, I- I, I, it's gonna let me down for sure if we don't see Sir Pounce. But oh. we're seeing Sir Pounce tweet to us, Josh, and that's what we value more than anything. For sure. And Sir Pounce asked, speaking of seeing things, did you notice any wigs tonight? Were you on wig watch? Oh,
0: was I on wig watch or what? Uh, Daenerys Targaryen's bed hair. We're gonna have to talk about that. That was a, <laughs> that was a very serious wig, uh, and Wiggler was on watch for that for sure. Uh, that was ridiculous. That was very messy. Uh, very clearly, Amelia Clark wearing a pretty bad wig there. Uh, that was the one that really stood out to me.
1: All right. All right. Well, I, I didn't notice any wigs, but I'm, I don't go on wig watch. Lance Lannister did cut those, those golden locks. So that was,
0: that was not a, uh, that was not a wig.
1: That was not a wig.
0: Uh, so maybe like a, like a skull cap, I don't know, hiding his hair underneath, but uh, I don't think that was a wig.
1: All right and then one final question since it deals with the prophecy and this is again from from Mama's Love 77 this gets back to the crown of gold she said the crown of gold also reminded her of viserys and it maybe but maybe it's the hair that's referenced so the question is who would Marcella marry? So, do we have anybody on the show that Marcella might be a good match for? We, we got to talk about Lannister power plans. Tywin Lannister no longer in the mix. Who's going to make these deals anymore? Is Cersei going to marry her daughter off?
0: Yeah, you know Ty, Tywin was was the mover and shaker. Tyrion was the clever one, but he's gone. He is he is in Pentos. He is studying Pentos religiously right now, uh, enjoying the scenery. And who is going to be that person? Uh, is it going to be Cersei? I don't know. I mean, the plan, the reason she's there, I believe, is because she is, you know, being uh, uh, used to, to marry. I, was she being used to be married to the Martells? Is that why she was sent to Dorne in the first place?
1: Maybe somebody down there. Maybe. But some, I wonder, wonder if Martell. that's still
0: going to be in play, considering, yeah, Aubrey Martell <laughs> got his head smashed in. Got his head um, blown. So if that was the plan, I don't know how good I feel about the plan today. Uh, Who else could she marry? You know, we dealt with this when we were on the road to Westeros. We talked about uh, who are the eligible bachelors in Westeros for someone like Sansa. And I think the similar problem exists for Marcella. where there's just not a ton. There's not a ton of people that I would feel very good about uh, sending Marcella off to. I'd be worried for her with almost everybody. I guess Podrick would be nice. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, seems yeah, like a nice. Seems guy. like a nice guy. Uh, he's not exactly a
1: highborn though, so that wouldn't be a great match for Marcelo.
0: No, not not a great match. But in terms of highborn guys, there aren't many. Sweet Robin, I don't think so.
1: Oh boy, Sweet Robin is not. He's not going to be. A, that guy wouldn't. He's not a good match for anything.
0: No, not a good match for anything.
1: You want to do one more here, Antonio?
0: Before we close, you out? have one. Is there is there one more that you have, or are we all set?
1: I think we're all set. Unless Sorry. you wanna unless you wanna answer who is more pathetic feeble and craven? Sweet Robin Aaron or Sir Jano or I'm gonna add Samuel Tarley.
0: No, it's not it's not Sam. You can't use the word craven with me anymore. The only thing I'm craving is kicking your butt for calling me craven. I'm the best. Uh, so it's Janos Slint or Sweet Robin who is more craven.
1: Yeah. And remember, and Sir Janos Slint is that little bald guy that hid in the larder uh, during yeah. the battle of, uh, of, of, of the wall last year. It's him.
0: It's, it's Sir Janos. He is the worst. Uh, he is a loser. Sweet Robin may be more annoying, uh, but at least he has the excuse of being a kid. You know, Janos Slint looks like he's pushing, you know, he's, he's late 50s, not looking great. Uh, not looking great at him hiding in that cellar. That was pretty bad.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right, Josh, I have an idea for a hashtag. Do you have an okay? Idea for let's a hashtag?
0: hear it. Yeah, let's hear it.
1: Dear Pentos.
0: Dear Pentos. I like it. That's P-E-N-T-O-S. Dear Pentos. If you made it this far? If you got to the end of our season premiere recap here of Game of Thrones, let's go with hashtag Dear Pentos. You can tweet that to Antonio at AC Mazzaro with two Z's, one R. I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but Rounder. Really great talking to you, Antonio, about Game of Thrones tonight. Great engaging with all of you guys who are, uh, who, who watched Game of Thrones, who were with us on the road to Westeros, who are with us tonight. Uh, and even though we're signing off now, this is... Far from the end of our Game of Thrones coverage. Certainly this season, we've got a long road ahead of us. It's, a, it's 10 episodes in season one. We've got nine more to go. Uh, we are going to be coming back as soon as tomorrow. Uh, we are going to be doing a live Game of Thrones book club with myself and Terry Schwartz, the great Terry Schwartz. Uh, we will be doing that live here on Post Show Recaps at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. We are going to have a Game of Thrones feedback show as well later this week. Rob says... So He is going to return, so we've got more Game of Thrones coming to you this week. Uh, get those questions into us for the feedback show, as well as for the book club show. Uh, you can get those questions in, questions in at got at postshowrecaps dot com. Uh, you can do postshowrecaps dot com slash feedback. You can leave us voicemails, especially for the feedback show. We love the voicemails, so please do this. Postshowrecaps dot com slash voicemail. You can record something to us. About thirty seconds is, is really ideal. Um, and then just subscribe to what we're doing here, so you don't miss a show. Postshowrecaps dot com slash got iTunes. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, com slash YouTube, Rob will be back next week, but this is uh, also not the last time that you can be live with Antonio and I this week. Antonio, what are we doing later this week?
1: We're jumping live tomorrow night. Oh it's no, not Tuesday, night. Night. Tuesday, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, Tuesday night. I'm sorry. It feels like it's going to be so soon because I know, so don't, bad.
0: don't will it sooner. April 14th,
1: <laughs> the season, the series and season finale of justified is shown near and dear to my heart as a Kentuckian Josh and I have been, recapping it all season long here at Post Show Recaps. It is coming to a close. If you have not seen Justified, I wouldn't exactly say it's Game of Thrones set in Kentucky, but it's not that far from that. I think
0: I said that once.
1: Did you really? (laughs) Yeah, I think I did. Well, then I'm, not, I'm on board with it then. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stamp that. <laughs> it's, a re, it's, a re, it's a
0: reach, not the reach, but it's a reach. And I, I but I don't think it's completely far off. It's very compelling characters, very amazing dialogue, really well written. Uh, lots of history in this area of Kentucky. Give it a shot. Go, go look it up if you haven't seen it. But if you have been watching Justified and if you've been listening to the podcast that Antonio and I have been doing, we are going to be live talking about the series finale as soon as it finishes airing on April 14th. Uh, and then we'll do a follow up podcast after that just looking at justified as a whole so that's where you'll see antonio next uh if you guys we dropped a lot of comic book references in this episode in this recap of the game of thrones premiere tonight uh we are actually podcasting about a comic book show right now here on post show recaps we were talking about daredevil the new show from marvel that hit netflix uh on friday uh we are doing one episode of daredevil every day uh, so some of you have probably finished watching the show we're doing it a little slower here on post show recaps. so one episode of Daredevil every single day uh, until we're through that we are up to episode four is going to be tomorrow today if you're listening to this on a Monday uh, and that is with my buddy Kevin Mahadeo it's been a very fun time talking about that show with him he's a great uh, comic book expert and in uh, industry veteran he's a, he's a comic book professional uh, and he's brought a lot of really fun insight into that show so listen to that if you are a fan of Daredevil I think you'll really enjoy those shows but again tons of game of thrones stuff coming at you this week uh antonio anything else to add man
1: no uh, i think that you say ad man Uh, i called you an ad man not a man i'm not don draper but that's fine no i think that's great i thank you guys for having me i'm happy to come back anytime you'll have me here if the camera's been stuck on me on the show tonight i hope that uh you liked looking at my face if you got to see josh tonight i hope you like looking at his face i'm just happy to look at it i'm happy to look at josh's face if you guys haven't seen this He has a Dorn-shaped birthmark on his cheek. It's beautiful.
0: I thought we said we were going to talk about our birthmarks after I made that first mistake. Now I feel like I should say everything about Upstate New York. No,
1: no, 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 no. That's it. All right. Well,
0: before I say something I regret, just again, thank you guys so much, Antonio. Thank you very much. Rob will be back next week. I will be back back next week. We will be talking about Game of Thrones all week long. So please tune in. And uh, until then, everybody, take care. Bye.